Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem mm. with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. So, hi, it's Rob Moore here. Thank you for tuning in. Um, How to become a modern online financial services brand. So, financial services is a niche, 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 as the Americans say, uh, business. Uh, And I think sometimes niche businesses, this could be financial services, mortgage brokers, pension providers, but of course it could be plumbers, could be any kind of niche business really. Um, I think a lot of them maybe aren't as modern as they could be. So maybe they are more traditional, they're used to the old school marketing strategies like print, um, sort of digital and um, radio kind of media, traditional networking events, maybe not um, the more modern strategies like pay-per-click and social media. And I think that the way they do business, now, of course, I'm making a generalisation here, and your niche business could be very modern. It could have really reacted to the lockdown and it could have pivoted very fast. Um, but I think niche businesses actually have a, a massive opportunity. Um, I just think that they need to rethink the old school way. And I think um, a, an old school way of running a brand is to just um, pitch immediately via private message on LinkedIn or via um, posting on social media. I see a lot of brokers, solicitors, pension providers... Um, IFAs, etc. They do no content marketing whatsoever. They don't know what content marketing is. They just literally share their contact details in a private message or on a, 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 a social media post and kind of expect that people will just come back and do business with them. But I think the world has changed. Uh, and because of that, I think there's a huge opportunity if you are a niche brand, if you're in FS or any kind of um, service-related business that's not maybe modern like a digital agency or something like that because I think a lot of the old school providers especially when the owners of those businesses are older generally and not younger if you think about it podcasters and youtubers and um, digital agency owners um, tiktok users you know the the demographic is, is younger and younger and younger but they get content marketing they get building up the goodwill first um, you know, they get the, the non-cold direct pitch because that's how they've grown up. They grew up, they don't remember dial-up. I mean, most people here on this live, I mean, just like kids don't know what pain is because uh, they haven't suffered the dial-up. I remember when I used to have my, my Spectrum ZX and the Commodore 64 and all that, and you'd load up Paperboy and you'd wait 15, 20 minutes for it to load and it'd make that crackling noise. And then it would crash just before the end when it fully loaded and you had to start all over again and wait, wait again. And, you know, kids don't know that, but then there's these kids like Ryan, the Ryan Toys Review YouTube channel, who's got what? Um, pfft, 20-odd million subscribers, 
and um, what did 26 million was it or 22 million um, in revenue last year from a, a YouTube channel from a, a now eight year old kid. It's completely crazy. So that's the intro over how to become a modern online financial services brand. Step one is you've got to um, stop thinking about being a commodity based business. So any niche business, you're a plumber, you're a broker, you're a solicitor, you're an IFA. I hear it all the time. Oh, well, you can only charge £350 for a survey or you can only charge uh, £500 for a, you know, a mortgage or you can't even charge for a mortgage at the front end. You can only get a prop fee at the back end. And they've already decided in their head before they even start that they, they cannot get themselves out of commodity or price-based thinking. And I would like to challenge you to rethink that and I would like to disrupt your thoughts on that. Now, I don't know if you um, have been into a Barclays bank in the last few years, but Barclays have redone the, their high street banks. Uh, and you go in now and it's airy, it's got a bit more modern design, it's got desks, you know, it's got seating, um, people will come and, and talk to you. Um, and, you know, they, they don't just want you to go in and pay your money in and leave or go and use the cash machine and leave. They're trying to add extra value. So they're trying to be a service-based business as well as a product or commodity-based business. And I think that's where the niche brands, the financial services brands, I think that's where you can win. Because what you don't want to do is get into a race to the bottom price war. Um, and when you've convinced yourself or the market has convinced itself that um, you're a commodity, you're a price-based thing, the only way that you beat, you win is on price. So the price goes lower and lower. And I mean, the airline industry, you know, that's a classic example, isn't it? I know I say to people, look, you've got to disrupt and rethink these industries um, and you've got to create extra services and products which don't have the price ceiling or you've got to get out the industry because it's kind of insane to stay in an industry where there's a race to the bottom, um, you know, and, and an undercutting on price. So how can you stop being commodity based, price based? Uh, and how can you add extra services in? How can you increase the pricing? How can you, um, you know, create that extra experience like Barclays have tried to do um, on the high street? Um, I know Gerald Ratner very well. He was huge on the high street, wasn't he? In fact, he had the big, he was the biggest jewellery provider in Europe on the high street. And then, of course, um, he, he really suffered. Um, and then he went back online and did Gerald online. And he's very much in tune with online and retail businesses because it's, it's still very much his interest. And he told me that the way that the many of the high street retail providers have survived is they've become they've added services to selling just products as well. Um, so they kind of become more, more, more of a hybrid business. And I think you should become a hybrid business. Since the lockdown, I had to cancel 300 event days, which probably was um, financially six to seven million pound in potential lost revenue, improbable lost revenue. Um, we've now created and launched seven, maybe eight online courses now. Um, and we've done 1.6 million pounds in new online course revenue, um, gross, um, cash in bank of that is 1.1 million. And so we've just become a hybrid. We've created a new way of doing the same thing um, or an, an additional add-on service or a more relevant uh, service in the market today. And that's what I believe um, modern niche and or financial service brands can do um, and, you know, if you think about if you're an estate agency, what's the opportunity now? Remote viewings, virtual reality viewings, that's the opportunity. And if estate agents are like, oh, well, we're doomed now, we can't do viewings, we'll wait until um, the government guidelines come out where we can safely do viewings. If they sit and they accept 
um, that they can't do business uh, and they don't disrupt and they don't change and they don't look for new sol- solutions, then they're going to die. Um, and I believe, you know, survival of the fittest, but where some will survive, some will thrive and many will die. Um, you know, we are in the biggest Darwinian times of business right now. Uh, and, you know, how can you leverage an online business model? I think niche businesses and financial services businesses are perfectly set up to have completely online. I was talking to a, a good friend of mine who runs about £35 million a year business, and um, he's shutting all his offices around the world except one. Um, and all of his sales team and everything is going virtual, all of his lead generation, all of his client journey, um, everything, all of his events, they're all going virtual because that's the new opportunity. Um, so you've got to rethink the mass hypnosis in your industry. If, you are, if you're in your industry and you read a lot of industry media and you know, you know who your competitors are and you're in the Facebook groups and you discuss with peers, you can get this myopia where there's this mass industry hypnosis where you're like, oh, well, you can't do that and you can't do that and you can't do that and race to the bottom or race to second. Um, you know, the industry is struggling. You can't bust out those price points. Uh, and you've got to get yourself out of that myopia uh, and look for something original and something different. And that can be a hybrid um, bands, you know, music bands who disrupt and create new sounds. They often hybridise different styles of music or they create a new way. They don't just write music the same way. Um, and, you know, businesses that disrupt, they don't follow what everyone else does. Um, now, I don't think you have to be uniquely and exceptionally disruptive and innovative and modern and you have to have a completely unique idea. I don't think you have to do that at all. I think you can often just... Um, create a hybrid of different industries. But if you're just in your industry with the myopia, um, then you're in trouble. Um, I did a podcast for a construction podcast and um, the, 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 um, the lady Maria who runs that podcast, she says, you know, there's a bit of mass hypnosis in the construction industry of price-based, you know, everyone's fighting on price. No one believes they can charge more than they do. Um, the, the, you know, the, the customers have the power. And, and if, you, if you own that and believe that, then, you, you know, that, that's going to be your reality. Whereas if you look at, okay, um, could I create a blockchain or, you know, some kind of better way of the, um, the money flow in the construction process? Um, could I be a, a, a more boutique brand and, and um, do, quote based on quality, not based on price? Could I find customers where they're looking for value, not price? Could I create a unique bespoke niche? Um, so there's always new ways of disrupting um, the mass hypnosis of, you know, what we've come to believe to be true. And the good thing about the current market that we're in, the disruption that's gone on, um, is, is it's forced us to rethink. It's forced us to disrupt um, because for many people, business is on the line. It's survival. Uh, and so what better opportunity have you got to actually make a change, do something a bit more innovative, not go with what you've always done. Just because you've always done it doesn't mean it's the right way. Um, and I was, I was interviewing a billionaire, David McCourt, yesterday on my podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Um, and he said he's seen six recessions and he's never seen one as brutal um, or as deep as what he's seen with these sort of seven, eight weeks since the virus lockdown. Um, but he also sees that as a massive upside opportunity. Um, yeah, you know, he said, never waste a good recession. 
So maybe you want to think service, not product. Um, you know, you want to think add on value, not commodity. Um, you want to think um, holistically outside of your industry and look at what you can borrow from other industries that have broken price ceilings and um, increased um, their their um, their barriers, if you like, or ba- bro- broken their glass ceilings. Um, I wrote in my book, Money, uh, uh, no, I wrote it, it, and Life Leverage, I think. I gave the example of a hairdresser who cuts the hair for the Sultan of Brunei. He lives in London. He gets flown over to Brunei, charges £5,000 plus travel for a haircut, and he's flown back and forth, back and forth every however long. Um, you know, Patek Philippe, they make £100,000 plus watches when you can buy a Casio for 10 quid, or you can, get, you, you know, you can, you can tell the time on an iPhone. You don't need a watch. Yet Patek Philippe can charge 100,000 or 300,000 pounds for a watch. So that, you know, exclusivity, bespoke, niche, hyper niche. Um, these are ways that you can um, increase your margin and not have that race to the bottom. Um, I think you should communicate with your clients very regularly. So um, you may be solving existing problems, um, but there may be new problems that your clients now have. Um, you may have solved old problems. And you need to solve new problems. Um, you may be have, having old traditional services where they need new services. Your clients spend money elsewhere, not just with you. Where else do they spend it? And what else could you provide that they spend money on? So in my training business, I have about a 20 million pound a year training business, give or take. Um, and we just started by running property courses. And then enough time went on and people were like, oh, I really want to get into public speaking. Uh, oh, I really want to start um, a, a, a general business. Um, I want to do a podcast. I want to get more help with social media. Uh, and when enough people give me feedback on what products and services they need, as long as it's in within, within my scope of expertise or I could partner with someone who is in their scope of expertise, and I feel like there's some kind of demand in the marketplace, I'll create those new, new solutions. So I used to be a property investor 12 years ago. I was then a letting agent nine years ago, property training company eight years ago, deal packager seven years ago. Now we're a whole digital agency. Um, So we have various online um, courses, various face-to-face courses, various masterminds, various mentorships. We have a podcast agency. Um, I have my own podcast, I have all my social media channels. We're a whole digital, we're a, we're a media company now. Because that was never in the plan. But of course, we reacted, we pivoted, we grew outside of our own niche um, and reacted to the demands of the market, the needs of the clients. Um, and sometimes I think that you can be a bit myopic and you can just say, well, this is what I've always done and this is what I should do and this is what people want me for. But, you know, things don't change overnight, but 10, 20, 50 years later, I mean, look at, look at a company that's 50 years old. Um, most companies are not doing what they did 50 years ago. Um, so Coca-Cola was, was medicinal. Um, Rolls-Royce was um, it just aircraft engines. Of course, now it's cars. So there's many things, many companies have changed what they do. If you think about what Virgin was 40 years ago and now what it is. So if you don't evolve and grow and adapt you're probably not going to be able to do the same thing forever without, uh, you know, being disrupted. Um, The next thing, I think that many financial services and niche-related businesses and brands do really badly 
is social media and content marketing and building their personal brand and, you know, the, the sort of the commentator or the influencer space. They do it really badly. They either do no social because they don't get it or they just go and say, oh, you know, um, contact me for a, a, a consultation. And then they put their, their email address and their phone number and, and their website. And of course, no one reacts to that or they just private message people, um, you know, with their pitch. Uh, And it's not elegant enough. It's not persuasive enough. It doesn't build enough goodwill. Um, And I think if you want to um, build a big pipeline of leads and clients, then you probably need to follow my seven C's of building a vast personal brand. Consistency channels, community, celebrity, courage, critics, which equal cash flow. So I'll say those again. Content, consistency, channels, community, celebrity, courage, and critics, and they will equal cash flow. Uh, so the great thing about the media that we're in right now, social media is free, pay-per-click, you pay per click. So back in the day, 30, 40 years ago, you had to do print media, radio, TV, and you'd pay thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions, uh, and you'd get all these figures about how many eyeballs were reached. You'd have no proof of that. It'd be a massive gamble, and you'd have to hope that you got some business at the end of it, and you probably didn't get a good ROI. And now you can go on Facebook groups that you don't own. You can set up your own Facebook groups, your own pages, your own profiles, your own supporter program. You can um, scale LinkedIn significantly. You can use Instagram and Pinterest and um, YouTube and all these vast social media channels. And they cost nothing. Um, And you can run ads where you can pay five or 50 pence or cents a click. Uh, And you can spend £10 a day or £100 a day or a million pound a day depending on, um, you know, your budget and you can always test and measure and run A-B split tests on ads and improve all the conversion environments down the line where, whereas you can't run an ad in a magazine and have, get 50 people looking at it, testing the response and then changing it and then have 50 people um, responding and then changing it. You don't have that dynamic, um, intuitive feedback that you do on social media and on pay-per-click. So if you're not leveraging um, non-traditional media like um, app, online pay-per-click ads and social media, you are missing a massive opportunity. And that's what I'm going to cover. So the seven C's of building a vast personal brand. Um, I'll just say those C's again because some of you look like you've missed a C or two. Don't worry because I'm going to detail them all. One, content. Two, consistency. Three, channels. Four, community. Five, celebrity. Six, courage. Seven, critics, which lead to eight, cash flow. So cheers to that. Let me just have a drink of my um, rather hippie watermelon um, sparkling water. The new age me, the metrosexual Rob. Um, I'm not sure that many of you, all of you know me. Um, I don't like to make that assumption, but what I don't like to do is um, spend half of my talk bragging about um, me and who I am and what I've done. Uh, That's not really my style. Um, I own a company called Progressive Property, which is a property training company. It is the biggest property training company in the UK. Um, I also own Progressive Success, which is a business. 
um, training company. I have a digital marketing agency, uh, a podcast agency. I have my podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur, which has a few million subscriptions and downloads in about 200 countries. I think I've written now 15, maybe 16 books. A, a good few of them have done well, the, you know, the high up in the rankings and the charts. Um, I got the world record for the longest public speech. In fact, I had, I had two world records at one time and I broke one of my own. Um, I don't know if I still hold those, but, but I did, uh, yeah, for the longest ever uh, public speech. So if there's one thing I can do, it's talk. Um, I own a good few hundred properties and we own, co-own, manage about 800 odd tenants in our letting agency, Progressive Let's. Um, I love business. I love entrepreneurship. It's just what I love to do. Um, and I could do it all day, every day. And uh, in, in, in a strange way, when this lockdown happened, I really enjoyed um, putting in the extra work. I was getting up at three, four, five in the morning and really enjoying, um, you know, just doing that extra work to maybe try and get a one up on my competitors or just to try and prove to myself that we could adapt to any situation. Um, and I think Gary asked me to talk uh, on his summit. Um, and I want to thank you, Gary, and everyone who's tuning in to watch I just think because I guess I can help you modernize your online brand. I have more than a million um, followers and subscribers across my channels. So um, I guess one thing I've done is adapted to this new modern way. I'm certainly not the biggest influencer on the world. I'm certainly not the biggest business owner in the world. Um, I've been doing business, what, 14, 15 years properly. I'm only 41, so I feel like I've got, I've just started and I've got, uh, you know, maybe 50 years ahead of me where I can hopefully make a bit of an impact. So hopefully that helps you get to know me uh, a bit better. I don't regard myself as a guru or an expert or anything like that. P pretty normal, down-to-earth guy. I'm very accessible. If you want any help from me after this um, live stream, just private message me on, you can find me, you search Rob Moore on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or podcasts. Um, private message me, I respond to pretty much all my messages and I get a lot of them, so I'm just a normal, accessible guy. Okay, so the seven C's of building a vast personal brand. Content is number one. Um, all marketing has a cost. It's either upfront in money, or it is in time, or it is in mistakes. So if you want to pay for ads, fine. By the way, there's no guarantee when you pay for ads that you get, um, you know, you get a response or um, you get a conversion. But you would assume if you pay for ads, what you're doing is you're speeding up the buying process. You're interrupting, you're pattern interrupting the, um, the lead, uh, the potential customer, and you're trying to accelerate um, the, the time in which they come and do business with you. Because referral marketing is obviously slower and more organic. Um, but with content marketing, what you do is you create, Let's say you got in the studio and you created 52-minute videos. Um, people like to batch their content. I like to just do it as and when and repurpose it. Um, I'm recording this on my Zoom H1 in case it could be a podcast episode. Maybe, may not. Um, I'm actually live streaming it to one of my private communities um, on Facebook. So uh, this piece of content um, I could uh, have as a future podcast uh, a future um, video, so I'm repurposing this content. 
Um, I like to do it as and when, but some people like to batch it. Um, uh, Paul O'Mahony is a good friend of mine. He um, uses our uh, agency for content and he'll fly over from Ireland. He'll do a speech with us, he'll partner with us. And then he will just sit in the studio and do seven podcasts in a row. He'll record the videos for, um, you, you know, his online presence. Uh, and then all of a sudden, have 14 pieces of content that he did in a day. And then that could be posted every day or every other day or once a week. Now, um, what content does is it build goodwill. It builds goodwill. It gives you reach. It gives you exposure. It gives you impact. It gives you goodwill. And then it generates leads and interest for people to then um, become a client of yours. Now, look, you can get um, smart with this and elegant with this. And you can create a business ecosystem, a vertical. The Americans call it a funnel. Um, But for now, I would just say start working on giving value. So many people in financial services, so many brokers, solicitors, IFAs, they don't give any value. They, get, they, they, you know, they might they'll do a bit of a consultation call and then, and then they want to sell you their services. They're not doing regular videos on you know, how people can assess opportunities. Uh, you know, and how, uh, if, you, if you're an IFA, what, um, what, um, what content could you give people that would help them uh, get closer to becoming a client? Or, you know, would help them navigate the difficult world of investing their money. Um, if you think about someone like Dave Ramsey, who has a, you know, money podcast, it's a huge brand. Um, you know, he's regularly giving content, doing interviews. And, and I think some traditional old school people think, oh, well, if I give content away, people won't want to use my products or services. I would say uh, in, the, in the modern world, if you don't give content away, people won't have enough goodwill built with you. Uh, and therefore they won't have the trust and therefore they won't use you. And what I found is the more I've given away, um, the more leads I've got, the more clients I've got, the more goodwill I've got, the more lifetime value I've got, the more people sign up to my higher level packages. So don't be scared to put more content out there. Don't be scared that some of your content um, would undermine them buying from you. It wouldn't. Obviously, you've got to be careful you know, not to give financial advice. You've got to be careful not to do content that uh, goes out of date very quickly. Um, but, you know, you can do general content, how to do diligence and, and research, how to manage their money, how to maybe apportion their wealth in different percentages. You know, there's so much you can do, um, you know, how to assess a property purchase, how to what all the things you need to get ready in order to um, be ready for a mortgage. Uh, so much, so much content that you could do and not enough people doing it. So I've got quite a lot of questions coming in already. Um, so someone has asked about my podcast agency. If you private message me on my Facebook profile, just search Rob Moore, Rob Moore Progressive on Facebook and private message me. If you've got any questions about any of the products and services I have, you can private message me. There are... Okay. Do you see yourself taking on niche mainstream media via your digital offer- offerings? Um, I think niche and mainstream are a... Um, is it an oxymoron? Is that the word? Uh, I don't think you have niche mainstream. I think you have niche or mainstream. Do I see myself taking on mainstream media? Well, I mean, look, you, you can build a very significant personal brand by having a podcast and a YouTube channel and a, a, a Facebook page, which could rival um, local or even national radio stations. I mean, if you think about it, media has been completely decentralized and fragmented and broken up into bits. I mean, you used to have BBC One, BBC Two, ITV, Channel Four. Now you have a uh, 1500 channels. Um, and, and now, you know, if you think about it, every YouTuber is a, a TV station. 
So uh, for startups, for entrepreneurs, for one-man bands, for just content providers, uh, the, the opportunities now are bigger and better and easier. The barriers to entry are lower because people will accept content now from not just the BBC and not just Sky. Um, and so I think that the opportunities for you to, yeah, but, I mean, Joe Rogan's podcast is bigger than pretty much all mainstream media now, I would have thought. Um, and some YouTube channels are bigger than all mainstream media. And these aren't mainstream media people or companies. Um, so, yeah, I think that it, it is an opportunity to do that for sure. I don't have aspirations to be bigger than BBC or anything like that. I just have aspirations to do good work and reach more people. And, yeah, I do want to become more global and I do want to reach more people and have a greater impact. Of course I do. But, you know, I don't have a desire to go and beat mainstream media. I just have a desire to be a better version of me. Hi, it's Rob here, interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts for any training that we might run, not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anythings. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,005 hundred supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world find me a better one but I don't think you will so the link is bit.ly forward slash rob supporter with a capital R that's bit.ly forward slash rob supporter with a capital R I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger there's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good and for just a few dollars a month you can get the best content Content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Okay, right. Then second C then is consistency. Now, a lot of people, yeah, I'll do a bit of content and then they don't carry it on. I'll start a podcast, don't carry it on. Do a few YouTube videos, don't carry it on. Consistency wins. Consistency breeds trust, breeds goodwill, um, breeds comfort, and also it breeds compounding and momentum and velocity. You don't even need me to tell you that. You're smart. Anyone in financial services knows the power of compounding. Therefore, you know the power of consistency. So when you start a podcast, make sure you do a week do a weekly episode. When you start a YouTube channel, make sure you do a video every week. When you start content, make sure you do two or three pieces of content a day. It doesn't matter that it's great. It just matters that you start. I wrote a book called Start Now, Get Perfect Later. See so if you have any fears, phobias, or reticent to put your work out there to the masses. Because I know some people in financial services, I know some people in niche brands, you know, they may be a, they don't feel like you have the personality. Maybe you feel a bit introverted, etc. By the way, podcasts are perfect for an introvert, especially if you're like me and you've got a face for radio, because no one even sees you. There's no comment, so no one can troll you or criticise you. So you definitely want to be leveraging a podcast. Um, And remember, you can pre-record. You don't have to do lives like I do. You can pre-record your content um, in the safety of your studio. Do a few edits first. Get it um, good 
and professional, and then you can publish it. But um, consistency breeds trust, it breeds compounding, it breeds momentum, it breeds velocity, it breeds scale, it breeds reach, it breeds impact, and it breeds multiple streams of leads and multiple streams of income. If you're going to start something, keep going. Okay, the third C is channels. I really believe in multiple streams of marketing to create multiple streams of leads, to create multiple streams of income. So um, I have the following, and I'm going to miss some out because I haven't got all the data to hand. But I, I generate followers, fans, subscribers, interest, leads, opt-ins, clients, uh, etc. From. from my Facebook page, Rob Moore Progressive, my various Facebook groups, Disruptive Entrepreneur, Progressive Property, etc., my Facebook profile, my Facebook supporter program, Facebook ads, uh, YouTube ads, my YouTube channel, Rob Moore Progressive, my Instagram um, profile, Rob Moore Progressive, Instagram ads, TikTok, you can find me on there. What are we, 10 at the moment? Google ads, um, Amazon ads, my Amazon uh, books, my Audible books, uh, my podcast um, we do affiliations and people promote us. We do joint ventures and reciprocals. We do CPA and lead gen through paid sends. We've even tested Groupon. We used to do exhibitions and shows when you could. Ref word of mouth referrals, ambassadors, networking. So um, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, and now, look, I didn't start with those day one and you build them up over time. You can't do them all at once because you'll spread yourself too thin. But many traditional businesses, you know, when a business say to me, Oh, Rob, well, I just get all my business through word of mouth. And they say it, they wear it like a badge of honour. They say it like they're proud. I just know that's a small business. No big business has one stream of leads. No big business just gets referrals. Now, referrals, yes, they're a, 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 um, a sign of a good business that looks after its clients, but it's also the sign of a small business. It's also the sign of traditional business. And it's also a sign of a business that hasn't embraced the modern media and marketing channels. So multiple streams of media, multiple channels leads to multiple streams of leads, which leads to multiple streams of income, which leads to um, it's not just extra income, by the way, it's de-risking and diversification. Because if you run physical events and then there's a lockdown and you can't run physical events, events anymore, how do you survive if all of your lead sources have just been completely closed down? Um, what if um, Facebook or Google ban all your ads, change their algorithm, which they do regularly? What if they shut your page down, which they do regularly? So you need multiple channels. Okay, the fourth C is community. Now, look, uh, a lead um, is someone who may be interested in your product, uh, a, a follower is someone who may be engaged in some of your content. A client is someone who's invested in a product or service. But someone who's in your community is part of your movement, your tribe. There's goodwill, there's trust, there's loyalty. So when you build goodwill, trust, loyalty, a diehard raving fan... You have people who use your services over and over and over and then they refer all their friends and their family members. So community is far deeper than lead generation. Now, lead generation is important to scale up your marketing and reach a new audience. But you create a community by having closed Facebook groups, by treating clients like not just clients, but more important than clients, by caring 
about your followers, your fans, your customers um, by giving them extra value, by offering them extra service, by over delivering. So um, I find that podcast listeners and people in my Facebook groups and people who come to my networking events and our events, and maybe we put on some special customer appreciation events. These people are more diehard fans of ours, loyal to us, refer us. So anything you can do to create community, connection, loyalty is far better than just generating a volume of leads. The fifth C then is celebrity. Now, what I don't mean, by the way, is celebrity in the, you know, you're on mainstream TV or you got invited to do Strictly Come Dancing. I'm not about that kind of celebrity. I mean, you celebritize your personal brand in your space. So you could put commentator, but it's just less of a, a, a sexy C word. So a celebrity or a commentator is, is someone who the media would go to or most people associate with the go-to person in, in that niche or in that industry. So, um, you know, if you think of podcasters, who do you think of? If you think of, you know, Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert, you know, he would obviously be a big go-to person in that space. Who would be, um, you know, Martin Roberts on TV might be the go-to person for the um, auctions or, you know, the online property buying, so, you know, the property on TV. Um, now, traditionally you got that by being famous or being on TV in mass media, but now you can celebritize yourself. You can build your own personal brand by commenting on all the various social media channels, by um, putting a lot of content out there and good content out there, by embracing the new media world, by being interviewed on podcasts, by doing YouTube videos, by giving yourself that extra reach and exposure, making sure that the content is really good and on point, and then doing that consistently over time. So I get interviewed probably on five podcasts a week, um, and I'm not a traditionally famous person. Um, any celebritization I've created for myself, and of course I've got a long way to go, I'm, I'm under no illusion of that, um, I'm not a mainstream celebrity, but it's all been created from my personal brand, my social media, my podcast, my putting content out there. I, mean, I, have, I have billionaires who, who look up to me with the amount of content that I put out there or don't have anywhere near the same social media following that I do um, because they've done it the older traditional way and, and maybe I've done it. I'm, kind of, I'm probably kind of in the middle. I'm not, you know, these young um, teenager type kids who are killing it on TikTok. But I'm, I'm not, you know, a more traditional business pre owner pre-internet pre who's used to building business the traditional way. So maybe I've got a foot in each camp and, you know, and maybe that, that, that means I can help you to some degree. But what you want to do is you want to position yourself through the quality and the volume of your content and through the multiple channels that you're the go-to person. That when people think your niche uh, or your company or your brand, they think of you. Um, and that is what a personal brand is. Okay, the next C, one, two, three, four, five, six, is courage. And I don't actually think it takes a huge amount of courage to do a live stream, to do a podcast, or to put yourself out on a live video. Um, but I think um, for some people who are introverts or worried about being criticised or worried about their online security, or, you know, in the financial services sector, you can't just say what you want willy-nilly. I get that. In a way, for me, I, I can just kind of... I can be quite loose and flippant and, I, and that's okay. But, you, you know, in, in a regulated industry, you can't be loose and flippant. I completely get that. 
Um, but you can still put good content out there. Um, and you can still, to a certain degree, be conversational, colloquial. There's a lot of seeds we've got here. Conversational, colloquial, I could add more. Um, I've been called a seed. Of, I could add one of those that I've been called by a few of my critics. Um, but really what courage is, is the volition and the conviction. There's another C, a conviction to put yourself out there more and risk having a critic uh, and risk, you know, a, a little bit of, um, I don't know, diligence and analysis on you. Um, I did a, a video about a month ago and some guy went on company's house. He searched my name on company's house and he started going on about, um, you know, what I haven't got. And apparently I'm like, my empire is not as big as I claim. Um, but I've got multiple companies and he only did one search. And there's various searches you can do on my name. I've got way more companies than he found. Um, and I, but I wasn't bothered and I wasn't prepared to go and have an argument with him. When you put yourself out there, yeah, you do put yourself out to be exposed by some critics. So what? So what? It's easier to judge from the stands than it is to play in the game on the pitch. Um, but I know there's many introverts in the financial services space or there's worry about, about being technically correct, etc. So I would say start now, get perfect later. Start doing, you know, you could do a one minute piece of content. You could do little bite size um, sound bites and then you could build up your confidence after that. But you know what? If you want to be a successful business, a successful brand, if you want to grow, look, if you don't want to grow, fine. I don't know what you're doing watching me, <laughs> but if you don't want to grow, that's fine. Carry on doing what you're doing. I'm, I'm, you know, just be consistent. But, you know, you have to have the courage to be disliked. You have to have the courage to be criticised, um, the courage to be disagreed with. You know, the, uh, have to take, I, I have this saying that I'm most known for, which is if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. That leads me on to the next C, which is critics. And uh, I, I, a lot of people think critics are a bad thing. I think critics are a necessary thing. Now, if critics didn't exist, you wouldn't have the commitment and the accountability to improve, to um, evaluate, to question, to internally criticise yourself. They keep you accountable. You can't just go and be flippant and loose with your claims and your language because you know that there are going to be critics that are going to have something to say about that. So you should embrace the critics. They are good for your ongoing ev evolution and development and improvement. Um, critics are also are good for your algorithms because when a critic comes on and starts you know, challenging you, um, your fans will come to your defence. Other critics will jump in. You can go and jump in and, um, you know, question what the critics mean. Um, so someone called me a twat on a couple of, a couple of videos ago. And I was like, how, what do you mean specifically? Please define twat and please define what is a twat about me. And of course, then he started replying and I started replying. Um, and now all of a sudden, uh, I, what it, what it turns out was that I said, um, a couple of times in my video, because I was multitasking, asking, answering questions at the same time. I replied to him saying, yeah, it would be in an ideal world. There would be no ers and ums. Um, so thanks for the feedback. I was multitasking at the time. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden you build this thread up, which the algorithms love. Because by the way, uh, the algorithms want engagement. And by engagement, they want a meaningful discussion. And they would see that as meaningful discussion because that is debate. Now, you don't get debate. When people go, yeah, I love your work. Yeah, thanks for the video. There's no debate because then you go, you thank them back and then there's no debate. So you want to encourage debate, encourage criticism, encourage critics. You are going to get some trolling. You are going to get some vitriol. Um, that's just part of the world. Um, now, I would guess in some niche brands and in FS, 
It's probably not that bad because you're probably a little bit more of a mature market, but it can happen. You get competitors that do that as well. Competitors will go and troll. For me, it's all part of the game and I embrace it. Um, trolling is illegal, which is a fake profile, and you could, of course, delete and ban, and ban those, um, th- those posts. Okay, so let me summarise then the seven C's. Consistent, more content on more channels. Consistency of posting, of brand, of um, all those multiple channels. Multiple streams of leads and multiple channels and multiple media. The third C is channels. The fourth C is building a community, not just leads. The fifth C is celebritizing yourself and building a vast personal brand, the go-to commentator in your space. The sixth C is the courage to put yourself out there and to be judged. The seventh C is embracing the critics, the good and the bad. And that leads to the eighth C, which hopefully is cash flow. Um, Now, there's multiple ways to put yourself out there. Um, I listed a load of the channels and Facebook pages, Facebook groups, your Facebook profile, supporters, um, the stars function. You can run ads on Google, on YouTube on Facebook, um, on Amazon. Um, You can sponsor podcasts. You can be a guest on podcasts. Um, You can have a Patreon. You can do public speaking. You can be interviewed on YouTube channels. You can start your own podcast. Multiple streams of leads, multiple streams of media outlets that lead to multiple streams of income. I cover a lot of this content in the work that I do. If you want more of that content, you can follow me. Um, You can listen to my podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur, or just find me on any social media channels that you can just watch. Um, I'm probably doing hmm, 30 unique pieces of content a day on social media, but I'm probably investing of my own time about eight, uh, 60 to 90 minutes a day of content, but we're repurposing across a lot of channels. I'm repurposing on this um, in some niche groups because obviously this is for um, Gary's Summit. Um, and again, I want to say what great work Gary is doing. You're in the right hands here because Gary is uh, definitely a modern financial services brand uh, and he's really good on social media, better than any um, FS type business owner I've ever seen. So you're in good hands Um, So we've got about 12 minutes left uh, and I'm going to cover the concept of fair exchange and my wealth formula. So the title of this is how to become a modern niche brand, uh, in particular in the financial services industry. I've already said stop being commodity and price based. Start rethinking the mass belief and hypnosis in your industry. Think service, not product. Think solution, not what you've always done. Um, What are the problems, services and solutions could you offer your industry? Stop doing no social media. Stop just posting your contact details and expecting people to come to you. Start content marketing. Start positioning yourself. Follow my seven C's of building a vast personal brand. Content consistency channels. Community, celebrity, courage and critics, which equal cash flow. The concept of fair exchange is vital in a niche business. So a lot of people in niche businesses, especially commodity-based businesses, imagine if you're in the airline business, you know, you're in the the, the heating and plumbing and financial services industries, Um, you're a mortgage broker, um, you're an IFA, people have convinced themselves, well, uh, the the price ceiling, the maximum you can charge is X for this um, product or service. Um, uh, But that is against the law of fair exchange. The law of fair exchange is where you have a sweet spot between value and price. Uh, Now, people don't buy based on price unless they're in a commoditized price-based niche. Um, They buy based on value. 
someone could buy a £15 Casio or a £150,000 Patek Philippe. Someone could uh, go to McDonald's and spend £3.50 on a Happy Meal, or they could spend £350 at the Fat Duck on the tasting menu. Uh, And if you look at pretty much any niche, uh, and I challenge you, any niche, you've got the low price, high volume, and then you've got the high price, high price bespoke, lower volume, higher margin um, niches. You've probably got the low, the mid, the upper. Or you might have the low, the mid, the upper, and then the elite. Um, and so I challenge you to increase your value so that you can increase your price. So the concept of fair exchange is where the consumer feels grateful because they feel like they get good value. And remember, value isn't price, value is value. And then the producer is grateful because they feel they get fair margin. So fair value, consumer, fair margin, producer. The sweet spot is where you get equal gratitude, where the producer gets a margin, where they can make a profit and reinvest into innovation and R&D and growth. And then the consumer goes, I got good value from that. I would repurchase or reinvest in that. That is the concept of fair exchange. Now, you get unfair exchange when it seesaws out of balance in either way. So unfair exchange in the favour of the producer is what might be known as a ripoff or overpriced. Where, uh, And again, it's not price based, it's value based, um, where they didn't perceive enough value compared to the price. And then unfair exchange in the form of the consumer is where the producer can't make a fair sustainable profit margin because the prices are too low or they have to give too much value and therefore it's not sustainable. Uh, And a a, a lot of producers over or under charge and a lot of consumers um, over or under demand in, in in what is charged But the the fair exchange is where you get equilibrium, you get gratitude, you get energy, you get momentum, you get referrals, you get scale. Um, And I actually discussed in detail the concept of fair exchange in my book, Money, um, and talked about how you can increase your prices and still have the same level of gratitude, if not more gratitude. Um, now, someone might buy a Casio for 15 quid and it might break and they might think they don't get good value. And they might own a Patek Philippe for three generations and they pay 100 grand for that. Conversely, they could own a Patek Philippe that's 50 grand and the strap buckle comes loose. And they're like, I paid 50 grand for that watch. Um, and they might buy a, a, a 50 pound G-Shock or 100 pound G-Shock, which gets battered and lasts 20 years. So if you want to increase your fees, you need to increase the value first. Now, what most people do is the opposite. They wait, oh, well, it's not fair. It's not fair. Um, I can't charge enough. Um, Like, you know, employees, what do employees do? They go, oh, I want a pay rise. But you have to do the job that gives you the pay rise to get the pay rise. So you increase the value first, and then you get the fees, the extra business and, and the results, not the other way around. Now, there's always more value you can give. There's always more bonuses. There's always more add-ons. There's always more service. Um, and again, it, if I go back to what I said before, if you're not a, a, a product and a 
commodity and a price-based business, but you're a service-based business and you're a higher margin business and you're bespoke and you offer, um, you know, more curated um, bespoke services, then, you know, there, there is really no ceiling on your price. Some people will pay more for service. You know, I like um, using, uh, I have a driver because I want the service. And for me, that's worth it. And, you know, what you generally t- find is, um, you know, the people in the price-based commodity or area or people who haven't got the money to charge, uh, to pay, you know, they're spending all, all their time to save money. Whereas people in the higher echelon, they're spending their money to save time. And they're the kind of clients you want. So that's about positioning. Who are you positioning? Who are you targeting? You don't want the commodity buyers, the price shoppers. You don't want those. You want to intentionally uh, de-brand yourself away from those. Um, okay, and then finally, my wealth formula. So my wealth formula, again, this was covered a lot in my book, uh, Money, which is on Amazon Audible. I think it's got nearly th- three and a half thousand reviews now on Audible. Um, and that is value plus fair exchange times leverage equals wealth. Value plus fair exchange times leverage equals wealth. Um, that's my definition of wealth. Done a lot of research. Um, so uh, value is the um, offer, the value, the service, the contribution you give to society, to your niche, to your clients. Fair exchange is the sweet spot where you price fairly and make fair margin because that's sustainable and scalable. And then leverage is how many customers and clients in how many countries and, and how much reach and impact you have. If you have massive value but unfair exchange, what that means is you are either overcharging or undercharging and either way that's unsustainable. If you have good value and unfair exchange and really good leverage, you're either going to exaggerate a ripoff or exaggerate um, a lack of margin. So there are some businesses that have got a compelling offer. They've gone viral or really scaled and then they've gone bust because they were making a small loss in each product that they were selling. Um, So you can actually leverage unfair exchange or if you've got your product and service not very good yet and it's not the value isn't there there yet and you've got a few clients and they're not really happy and you scale that up, you scale up the ungratitude, you scale up the complaints, the refund requests, which, which of course scale up the overhead to you. So you need value, fair exchange and increased leverage for wealth, a continued wealth, scaled up wealth, compounded wealth, sustainable wealth. All right, so that's pretty much me. Um, you can follow me on my podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur. I guess the, 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 the two books that you might want to start from me with are um, Life Leverage, because that's really relevant in the online world that we're in with the lockdown, and Money. And then you can find me anywhere on the socials. You can find me on um, Facebook. I do lives every day. If I'm on YouTube, I do a video every day. If you just search Rob Moore or Rob Moore Progressive, you can find me on all the channels. 